It's time. John Gruden's our guest, head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. JT the Brick, great talking to you. Hope you're well, man. It's time. Well, you know how we want to play, JT. You know me probably better than anybody out there. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We're going to play old school football. JT the Brick on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Can't wait to play in that stadium and get this party started. You got no idea. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Welcome back. Uh, Second hour of the show, the final hour of the show, right here on Raider Nation Radio, brought to you by Remy Martin. Remy Martin is taking team up for excellence to a higher level as they team up with the Circa Hotel Sportsbook for this year's college basketball tournament that starts right now. They got an amazing three-story sportsbook. It's the largest sports betting experience in the world. The most advanced technology while providing good old-fashioned Vegas hospitality. So come party in style at the world's largest sports book with your very own VIP table. Celebrate your bracket wins with Remy Quantro VIP drink packages. Go to CircleLasVegas.com to book your spot. That's CircleLasVegas.com. Remy Martin, team up for excellence as we begin this hour. A couple other housekeeping items. We have a brand new beer company that's joining the show and a brand new tequila company joining the show and a brand new casino joining the show so we got a lot of things ripping right now because of what we're doing every day and a lot of it has to do with who's streaming our show and downloading the show on the Raiders app we appreciate the Raiders for putting our voice out there as we get callers from all over the country and we'd like to hear from you from all over the country this final hour 702-365-9200 uh, Sean Farnham from ESPN on the brackets and March Madness also Lee Sterling if we get him in this hour, he's supposed to call in at his convenience. He's picking games and doing that for March Madness. And I'll get to the Golden Knights in a moment. Cover of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, a good plug for them. I love this newspaper. It's fantastic. Ed Graney, he writes, Raiders moves made from hope more than a plan. Vinny Bonsignor's cover story, Raiders make series of moves. So basically the Raiders have been very active, very active in free agency. Not all of it's good. They lose Gabe Jackson to Seattle for a fifth-round pick and Rodney Hudson to Arizona for a third-round pick. The Raiders give up a seventh. My analysis on this is that no bueno. I don't like it. I'd like to have seen Gabe come back and Rodney to come back at smaller contracts, right? That was the whole thing. They didn't didn't get rid of those guys from what I understand because of their performance. They got rid of them because of price. Now, why are they getting rid of players for money? I don't know. I'm not in the room looking at the contracts and the cap. But I will tell you this, is that the Raiders have tried hard to give Tom Cable a great offensive line with oversized big guys who are not available. They are not available, and that has nothing to do with Tom Cable. Tom Cable is a grinder. He puts these guys on the field, and he doesn't have the ability to get them on the field because, A, they don't practice in pads, and, B, It's COVID, and C, a lot of them just can't show up to practice because they're not 100%. Trent Brown, Richie Incognito, who's coming back, guys are just not available. So it seems like to you and me that the Raiders looked at this plan on paying for an offensive line that's supposed to be great and is not because of their inability to be available, that they said, hey, time for a change inside the Henderson building. We can't go on with this anymore. We got to get cheaper and we got to get younger and we got to allocate some money to some other positions, including maybe Derek Carr 
on an extension at some point. So this all happened, and it triggered a lot of Raider fans. A lot of Raider, fan, Raider fans, the word is triggered. They're losing their mind because they like Gabe, and they like Rodney. So do I. They're out. We wish them well. Kyle Long came in for a workout. Didn't work out. He's a chief. I like Kyle because I like his dad and his brothers. Wish him well. But I'm not rooting for him. He's in Kansas City now. So who'd the Raiders bring back? Richie Incognito. They're going to let Andre James become the starting center. And really, from what I saw when he played and what I hear from inside the building, they love him. They love him a lot. We'll see if he turns out to be a great player. Denzel Good gets re-signed. And then we find out today that the Raiders gave a two-year, $14.5 million deal to Kenyon Drake, the running back from Miami and Arizona, who's had some productive years. He's a good blocker. He's really good in the passing game, and Gruden likes his ability. Remember, if Carr gets hurt, Mariota's ready to go as of today. I think he's going to be released or he's going to be traded. If Josh Jacobs gets hurt, Kenyon Drake is the featured running back. He's pretty good. He can handle that. I assume a Raider running back is going to get cut pretty quickly here. Zay Jones is back on a one-year deal. They bring in wide receiver John Brown, who was the number two target in Buffalo behind Stephon Diggs. Now, who's going to be the number one target for the Raiders? Easy. Easy. Darren Waller. So you got to think of Waller the way that I thought of Waller the last couple of years. I don't think of him as a tight end. I don't, want him, I don't even want him to play tight end. I wish he was just called a receiver. Because he's a receiver, 100 catches, 90 catches, double-digit touchdowns. So when you have a guy like Waller, he's got to be the priority. The next priority has got to be Henry Ruggs III. They took him high in the first round. they got to get him to explode for 60-plus receptions. you got to get him to 8 to 10 touchdowns now. Then you got Hunter Renfro. Why is he here if they're not going to get him the ball more? Really? Can I cut to the chase on that? Can we throw the ball to Hunter Renfro more? Can we line him up in motion or in the slot and give him more targets? Absolutely, he's going to get more. So I just gave you Waller, Ruggs, and Renfro getting more touches, along with Edwards, who's a big wide receiver, and he has the same body, not skill set, but the same body and size and ability of a Des Bryant when Des Bryant came into the league. Des ended up, up, ended up being a superstar in Dallas. Let's see what could happen with Edwards. Then you have John Brown. John Brown, when healthy, can get you 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards receiving. He can do what Aguilar did last year, but he's faster, and he can get deeper downfield. And then you bring back Zay Jones, and they, they do have depth at wide receiver, but I'm not into practice squad wide receivers. I'm happy they're here. They get paid. They, they come in the game when guys get hurt. I'm hoping that that's enough. Who in God's name doesn't think that's enough? What more do you want? You got Waller Moreau, Ruggs Renfro. Edwards, John Brown, Zay Jones. What more do you want? Did you want A.J. Green? Okay. Juju Smith-Schuster? Okay. So I think the Raiders are pretty good right there. So the offense to me with Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, and now Kenyon Drake with Alex Ingold is done. Get me, you know, if you look at a right tackle, of course they need a right tackle. They need depth on the offensive line, but from a skill set, they're pretty good. Then on the defensive side at the tackle position, Hankins, Quinton Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Cleland Farrell, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngakwe. Am I leaving anything out there? What more do you want? Do you want Melvin Ingram? Do you want Jadavion Clowney, another guy I liked a lot? I like Clowney, and I liked Ngakwe. 
But Ngakwe, I think, is a better player. And Clowney is really good against the run. So I think that's set. We know the linebackers are going to go into camp. It's going to be Littleton, Kwiatkowski, and Morrow. Ready for the crazy JT comment of the week because there's been a few beauties here already. I would like to see a linebacker, a linebacker drafted with the 17th pick overall or trade up to get a linebacker who's better than all three. Okay, how about that for a bold prediction? Get a player at the linebacker position who's better than Littleton, better than Kwiatkowski, better than Morrow. And you should be able to do that with the 17th pick. You should be able to move up, or the best linebacker available will be better than those guys in a couple of years or maybe right out of the gate. Look at Levante David. Look at some of the linebackers that we've seen in this league playing at the highest level and just try to get one of those guys. And then the secondary, uh, Gus Bradley has a big decision on free safety. Vinny Bonsignor joined us the last hour, and we talked about the free safety position and Anthony Harris or what position they're going to go after. Who can they get? at the free safety position. So all of this is happening right now. I keep hitting refresh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Ian Rappaport, 18 minutes ago, the Texans' speedy free agent receiver, Will Fuller, is signing a one-year deal with the Dolphins. Ooh, ooh, Dolphins, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, another former teammate there. Andy Dalton had his press conference today and said, quote, they told me I was the starter. The internet broke in Chicago when he said that. A a great move by Andy Dalton. They signed him. He went into the press conference and said, I'm the guy. That's great. We're not talking about Trubisky, who's a free agent, Nick Foles. It's my job. So Andy Dalton's not screwing around anymore. The 49ers are hosting veteran quarterback Joe Flacco today a potential experience backup behind Jimmy G. And Kyle Rudolph is going to the Giants, the tight end. And the Giants, you know, the Giants are late to the party, but they're trying to get in there. And as Ian Rappaport reported on Kenyon Drake, John Gruden sees Kenyon Drake as a jack-of-all-trades, a joker, as they say. He'll figure prominently in the passing game, also very close with Josh Jacobs. So I got time to get your calls in if you couldn't get in in the first hour. 702-365-9200. Raider T in Walnut Creek. Thanks for starting us off. Hey, hey, Brick. What's going on? How you doing? Thanks. Hey, so I got two things for you. Number one, in terms of Kenyon Drake, I am jacked up about that. I think that's a great move. I liked this guy last year when there were trade rumors regarding him. I think Jacobs is – I love Jacobs, but I think he needs a one-two punch – to keep him fresh. Now, I love um, Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson, but if we could save some money and replace him with a guy like Denzel Good um, and save some money that we can spend on a guy like Drake or we can bring in um, Harris at free safety to um, strengthen some defense, I think that's a good move. you got to have the money spread out so you have a complete team and not all focused on the O-line. Um, number two, in regards to the draft, I don't know much about the defensive tackles that they brought in in free agency. Yeah. Um, if they feel like they can um, bring pass rush, great. If not, I think you got to draft Barmore from Alabama. But if they yeah, think he's they the have guy. that, if they have that answer, then I agree with you. You go for a linebacker, either that Aziz from Georgia, Zavin mm-hmm. Collins, I think from Tulsa, or I think it's Nick Bolton from uh, Mizzou. Yeah. One of those guys to really 
I mean, the last time we had a strong linebacking core, I can't remember. So Kim. I think they got to bulk up in that area, the front seven. Yeah, Quiddy Pay, there's another player that could be edge and can move around on the defensive line. Thanks for the call. If the Raiders go out and get a young defensive tackle who they believe is going to be great, he's got to be a starter. So why would the Raiders waste the draft pick on a developing defensive tackle when you have Quentin Jefferson and you have Solomon Thomas and you re-sign Jonathan Hankins, whatever you want to do. But when you look at this, go get a guy. Go get a guy who can come in and start off the edge or at linebacker. The Raiders don't have elite linebackers. Littleton was supposed to be elite. He's not. So Gus has got to fix him and see if he can get him now running more freer because the defensive line's better. So he's gonna he's not going to be blocked as much, and he's going to be able to pursue and tackle better. I just like to see some guy go out there and do a big job. I'd like to see someone come in at the linebacker position who could do a really good job, and that's all I want to see is just a guy who can tackle, who can just go from one side of the field to another, pursue the play in the running back, and drag him down from behind and bury him. Is that too much to ask for? When has that happened here? When will it happen here? I know they're trying. I know guys look good on tape. Do you know how many times that we saw video of Corey Littleton playing for the Rams where he made plays behind the line of scrimmage? You know why he did that? A guy by the name of Aaron Donald who was taking up two blockers and it freed him up. Now the Raiders are trying to get a little bit better at that position to hopefully, I hope that the most improved player on the Raiders is two most improved players next year. If we're sitting here at the end of the year and the Raiders are in the playoffs, it's going to be because the two most improved players are Henry Ruggs III and Corey Littleton. Do you agree with that? I mean, good, we hope that. We haven't seen Andre James really play much. The center taking over for Rodney. But you're going to need someone to play at that level. So hopefully that happens. A big, big topic that Vinny Bonsignor was talking about was the fact that some of the players in the building need to be the solution. And the biggest solution in the building is Andre James, the center, taking over for the great Rodney Hudson. He's got to be good. He's got to be good. And Incognito's got to play. He can't be banged up. And I think today we covered it and we'll continue on Marcus Mariota. What can the Raiders get by releasing him outright, trading him, or just getting him to renegotiate his deal? I mean, Marcus Mariota is looking around the league now going, Are you kidding me? $3 million for me? Andy Dalton is getting 10 million in Chicago and I'm sitting behind Derek Carr not playing? And you want me to play for $3 million? If I'm Marcus Mariota, I want to get the hell out of here now. Unless they can renegotiate that contract and he makes five, six, seven million, because you got to have a good backup for Derek, because the offensive line might not be as good. There's a lot of complicated issues that are coming up here, but I think the Raiders had a pretty good, pretty good finish to the week. I really do. I think they had a pretty good finish to the week, considering where we were on Monday, and a lot of fans were really, really disturbed by this. They were really disturbed about what was going to happen next. Sean Farnham is going to join us from ESPN. Great college analyst coming up. Bell Solar is hiring sales professionals. If you are interested in upgrading your home to solar, the best local solar company to work for is Bell Solar. They're more interested in hiring on my show 
How about that? How many how many clients you have like that? Bell Solar, 702-979-1277. They're hiring. Go get a job at Bell Solar. Smart gets it into Wadford, threw it away. He'll run it down to the backcourt. He will take it to the top of the arc. Wadford three at the buzzer, blocked by Herb. The putback, no. The buzzer sounds, and Bama hangs on. Oh, my goodness. I said it at the start. I'll say it now. In the words of the late, great Mitty Pearl, I'm just so proud to be here. <laughs> 80 to 79, your final. Wow, that's a great call. Alabama LSU, and that's what March Madness is all about. JT, back with you. We'll get to the Golden Knights coming up and what the Raiders have done in free agency. Sean Farnham, great friend of Vegas with Coaches versus Cancer, Lon's big event that we do out here together, and he's kind enough to join us, especially with the tournament kicking off. Sean, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. Great work all week. Man, it's been a lot of fun that we're finally here, JT, in, in, in what was an improbable season at times, uh, a season in which we questioned at times. We have 68 teams that are about to compete for a national championship. It, I could not be more excited and more appreciative of these student-athletes and these basketball players and these teams and these coaches and administrators that went through everything they had to go through this year to get us to this moment. Absolutely. Perfect way because you were on the front lines when you're in L.A. now, Bristol, all the traveling you typically do and how you had to grind it out as a broadcaster. Before we get to your upcoming event in Spokane, I wanted to start with the Zags because for everybody who's told me and we had Seth Greenberg on the other night and we're looking at this path and everybody's putting the Zags in the championship game. I'm looking at coaches and I see in my bracket Lon Kruger, Tony Bennett, and Fran McCaffrey or Bill Self. So whoever thinks this is going to be an easy road and maybe the bracket and they're in there, I'm looking at these coaches and Mark Few is going to go up against really good ones. How do you see it? Uh, I, I do think it's going to be an easy path for him, JT. Let's, let's, take, let's take Lon out of the equation because that would be the second-round matchup for them if they can get past Missouri. Right. But let's look at those the two, three, and four seats that are in that region. Of course, we're talking about uh, Iowa, Virginia, in Kansas. Gonzaga played all three of those teams earlier this year. They averaged 99.6 points per game against those three teams. Think about it. We're talking about Virginia, wow. their elite-level pack-line defense. Gonzaga torched them for 98 points in that game. JT, they shot 58% against those three teams from the field. They assisted on 60% of their field goals that they made. So that means they were sharing the ball and just absolutely slicing them up. And on top of that, the scoring margin was 15.5 points in margin of victory, and that includes when they were up by 20 against Iowa with only practicing for two days coming off of a COVID pause before they got on their plane and flew to the Midwest to play them in South Dakota. They were up by 20 in that game until they put the subs in for the final five minutes and it tightened up to 12. Otherwise, the scoring margin would be even higher. That's how good this Gonzaga team is. That's how well they've been coached, by the way, by Mark Few, who has the highest winning percentage of any college basketball coach in the history of college basketball that has coached more than 10 seasons. Just think about it. He's done everything in the world except for win a national championship. I think this is the year they get it done. 
All right, way to shut me down on that. So I'll take my coaching legends notes there. But re- really quickly on the Zags, big picture, you do a lot of their games. When when you do get them out of rhythm, when a coach gets them out of rhythm and you shorten a bench, you know, you got a team that's going up against you, you shorten your bench typically in the NBA playoffs, maybe in the NCAA tournament. Do you put them on the foul line? Do you do anything? Do you double one of the players, take a player out of game? What What's the concept to try to slow down the Zags? You have to have great offense. I think it's about your offense that sets up your defense. If you take bad shots, if you turn the ball over, you're done uh, because they can score so quickly. And, you know, Drew Timmy, even their their six foot 10 center uh, slash power forward, he'll he'll drive the ball up the floor and be the guy that initiates the entire offense. So they're so versatile. And and we talk so frequently about guard play this time of year. Think about Jalen Suggs, one and done player, uh, just a tremendous talent, second team All America by the Associated Press. He will actually be a top-four pick in the NBA draft for sure. Uh, so you've got that kind of talent. But yet you also have Andrew Nemhard, who started 67 consecutive games in the SEC at Florida and transferred in. And he's like a secondary role. He was the sixth man of the year in the WCC. So they got depth at that position too. And, and you can't really double off of anybody because they cut and move so well. Like they don't call a lot of set plays. They, they just understand how to play basketball. And because of that, there's a lot of European movement in their offense where you pass the ball in. If your defensive player looks, even for a second, you cut right away to the hoop, and they're fighting you, and you're scoring layups. JT, they average over 52 points per game in the paint, and they really only post up Drew Timmy, and he's getting about 16 of those. So the rest of them means that's coming off a transition and cuts and moves in the half court, slicing you up, uh, movement without the ball, forcing you to have to guard multiple sides. So I think the most important thing in the teams that have had success – Go back to BYU in the WCC championship game. They shot 69% in the first half of that game. They were up by 12 mm-hmm. uh, because they, they were making shots. They were able to get their defense set. They didn't allow Gonzaga to get out in transition. So if you can at least force them to slow down a little bit, then that gives you a fighter's chance. But the other thing is you've got to flat-out score the basketball. They have not been held under 73 points all season long. So you have to at least get to 75 if you think you're going to have a chance to beat Gonzaga. And that is a hard number for a lot of teams to hit. Sean Farnham joins us. What great analysis, especially on the Zags. We moved to the south with Baylor and Ohio State, and Seth told me that Ohio State is the best number two seed, he believes, by far. Conference, strength of schedule, maturity, all of that. Is Baylor going to hit a bump in the road along the way, or is it cruise control until they hit Ohio State maybe to get to the Final Four? I don't think it's going to be cruise control because this Baylor team hasn't shot the ball quite as well as it did before its last COVID pause. And they were the number one three-point shooting team in the country. And since they've come back, it's been a little bit uh, less than what we'd anticipate. And then defensively, they haven't been as connected or as sharp. Now, that's something that you can fix a lot with effort and in practice. And I'm sure that they've been focused on that since they lost in the Big, uh, Big 12 tournament. But I-, I look at their past, JT. And, and yeah, they're going to win the opening round game. Hartford, first ever NCAA appearance. Okay, thank you. Good story. Go back to Connecticut. Uh, and then at the second round, I think they, they shift conferences from going from the Big 12 to the Big 10. I see them against Wisconsin. I see them against Purdue. I see them against Ohio State. And let's not forget that this Purdue team, while we don't talk about them a lot inside the Big 10, they beat Ohio State twice this year in the regular season. They lost to them in the tournament, but they swept them in the regular season. This is a very good Purdue team with a lot of size underneath. And I think that size, in particular Travion Williams, would be a very interesting matchup to see how Baylor would have to react to his presence out on the floor, and Matt Painter is one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, so that would be a chess match game 
that we could potentially see in the Sweet 16. And then in the Elite Eight, I have them actually advancing to that game to play Ohio State. And I have Ohio State in my Final Four. I think the Buckeyes, E.J. Liddell, is a, a Swiss Army knife at the offensive end. Mm-hmm. He has the best, best mid-range jump shot in all of the Big Ten. And he takes their bigs and he forces them to have to guard away from the basket. And what does that do? It creates space for others. And Dwayne Washington Jr. is a tough shot taker, but he's also a tough shot maker. So he takes those tough, those tough shots, but he also makes them. And I, I think that's been so big for Chris Holtman's team, who's really efficient at both ends of the floor. Wrapping it up with Sean Farnham, ESPN. Does Livers come back in time? Uh, not near 100%, but give Michigan enough to beat LSU, FSU. How do you see Michigan navigating through the early games? Uh, I see them getting through FSU, uh, and then I have them losing okay. to Texas. Um, now, I, I'm a, I was even hesitant, though, to get them past Florida State. The Florida State has outstanding length, and defensively they can be really, really good. They do struggle away from home, though, uh, with shooting the basketball. They, they shoot about 12 percentage points fewer from three on the road than they do at home. So Florida State's got to figure out that over the course of this tournament. And we saw them turn cough the ball up 25 times against Georgia Tech that led to 31 points. If they cough it up that much against Michigan, I don't care if Livers is playing or not, you're not winning that game. Um, this has been a great Michigan team all year long, and if they were at full strength, I'd probably have them in the Final Four as well. Uh, but Isaiah Livers is such an important component. His ability to knock down those shots uh, from beyond the arc in transition. He's a straight-line driver as well. He's really good with his length at the defensive end of the floor. And even if he does come back, JT, and he's not at 100%, it doesn't work in the NCAA tournament. You need to be at your best this time of year. All right, last one. My wife's flying the line. I are back again. I love the balance, but every once in a while, that team will miss bunnies, miss some easy shots, and let a team back in the game, get a team into overtime, and they played that brutal schedule Illinois, a potential matchup with Oklahoma State, Houston maybe on the bottom of that bracket. How easy or tough of a road will it be for the Illini to get to the national championship game? Their biggest test will be that Oklahoma State game uh, because I have, I have Houston losing to Rutgers uh, in the second round. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I just believe in, in Steve Peichel's team as a chip-on-the-shoulder type team. And you've got to think back a year ago, JT, when you, people are filling out the bracket, think back a year ago. Rutgers was a team that was going to make noise last year. And while things didn't go right in the Big Ten for them a lot this year, this is the reset button time. Think about San Diego State, 53-6 and six in the last two years. Brian Dutcher's squad, San Diego State last year, they had a legitimate chance to win a national championship. There are key components on that team that are back this year. They are not going to lay down. They understand what was taken from them last year because of COVID-19, and this, this has been burning like a pit in their stomach for the last year. So you better believe they're going to show up. So I have Rutgers beating Houston on the bottom side facing San Diego State actually in the Sweet 16. To the winner of that game would face Illinois if they can get past Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State led by Cade Cunningham, but if you make the mistake and think it's just about Cade Cunningham and you're not thinking Isaac Likely or Avery Anderson or, or, or Alexander Moncrief, they, they've got guys on that team. Caleb Boone, they, they've been playing as well as anybody inside the Big 12 for the last three weeks. They beat West Virginia at West Virginia without Cade Cunningham and without Isaac Likely. Mike Boynton's team is dangerous. If they can get past that game, and I do have them getting past that game, I think they make it all the way to the national championship game where I have them losing to Gonzaga. That's how I have it. Uh, Sean, tell us about your upcoming event in Spokane, Coaches versus Cancer. What do you got going? Okay, so they, they named uh, the Spicy Shrimp Flatbread at the Davenport Hotel and Tower after me this year, which was a great honor. Uh, so I called up the hotel and I said, hey, listen up. I said, I, I appreciate the honor, but let's give back. What about for the month of March, anybody that goes into the Davenport Tower Hotel in Spokane, Washington, 
and orders the Farnham flatbread, a portion of that the, the, the money that you pay for that flatbread is going to go help me and Coaches versus Cancer, and in particular, Long Kruger's great event that he runs in Las Vegas that you and I have been working for years together, JT. Uh, you know how passionate I am about fighting cancer. I know how passionate you are on the fight against cancer. So it was just a great opportunity to partner with a hotel that gave me a great honor earlier this year to try to give back and do something good for the month of March. So if you're listening to the show and you're up in Spokane, Washington, you're around the Washington area, you're in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Drive on into the Davenport, order the Farnham flatbread, and enjoy the food, enjoy the NCAA tournament, but help me fight cancer. I love the fact that you have a flatbread blend. You could have had a burger, a salad. I know how you eat. I know how you – I've seen you eat a, a bunch, but the flatbread, I love it, man. You're so up-to-date in 2021, the, the Farnham <laughs> flatbread. I'm in. Yeah. You got to get up there, JT. <laughs> postseason, you and I, we go up to Spokane. If the Zags win the championship, we need to take Mad Dog Sports Radio and your show up there for the celebration, and then yes. we, we get the flatbread and we enjoy it and we we raise money to fight cancer because I know you're in on that. And we play golf because your golf game gets better every year in Vegas. You launch bombs off the tee, and now you have your chipping game. Ready to go. You were a free throw shooter in college, too. I know you can make some putts, so we'll play. You know those courses in Oregon that I haven't played yet? And up, I've never been to Spokane. Never we been to Spokane. It. So I got to go. do it. Yeah, tell Mad Dog Sports Radio you're on <laughs> your will. way if they win the national championship. Let's go. You're the best, buddy. All the best. Thank you. Talk to you soon, JT. Thanks, Sean. Sean Farnham. We'll get up there. I'd like to go up there. For this audience, our national audience, and everybody listening on the Raiders app, I've never been to Spokane. Never. Because I've never been invited. Now I've been invited. i got to get up there. That was brought to you by Grimaldi's. The flatbread, the best I've ever had, is Grimaldi's Pizza. And the top-ranked Bulldogs. Avoid a scare. They trail by as many as 14 points. They rally in the second half to win it by 10. And they add a tournament championship to an undefeated regular season championship. 88-78 the final score. The Bulldogs hopping around and enjoying a huge comeback. They outscore BYU by 22 points in the second half. Yeah, I had BYU coach, uh, the head coach on my show yesterday at night, Mark Pope. They almost beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga won. They're the one seed, and they are the team to beat in the tournament. Welcome back. We're trying to make you some money because the playing games start tonight. The tournament kicks in tomorrow. It's a big part of what I've done with my show my entire career. So to help make you money, Lee Sterling, who I always have on for the NFL, joins us for the tournament from ParamountSports.com. Lee, haven't spoken to you much since college football and the Super Bowl. We're back with March Madness. We are, and uh, for the first time ever, I'm even doing hockey this year. Found someone uh, who wow. I think is one of the greatest hockey handicappers of all time, and, and you'll love this name. His real name is Jackson Bond. He goes by Jack Bond, except for James Bond. Is there any better name than that? I don't think so, and is there ever, ever, ever a better team than my Las Vegas Golden Knights right. here? So hopefully uh, you're doing well with that. Let's jump into yep. your philosophy yep. on filling out the bracket in these these opening round games. I've been talking about it for all week here in Vegas that people yep. go into the sports books, the public 
the public, and we got COVID still, but they come in and they throw their money away. They want a little action on every game, and the books love it. They take all that action, and a lot of people don't know what they're doing in the first round. Okay, so even before that, everyone fills out a bracket. And I see people printing off brackets, and they literally take two, three seconds, and they start filling it out. The most important thing, if you're filling out a bracket, know the rules. So, for instance, a couple of years ago, I have a friend who moves from L.A. to Miami, wants to get in one of my brackets, and uh, he gets in. He predicts all four Final Four teams. But he doesn't even have a, a chance at a sniff at the payday. Why? Because he didn't look at the rules. We went 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and 60 points. For each round, he predicted 19 upsets in the first round. So know the rules. If it's, let's say, one or two points in the first round, and then it jumps up to five, 10, 15, 20, then you can take some shots. So if you're doing a bracket contest, know the rules. And then if you're handicapping games, you know, keep it to five or seven games tops. I mean, you have a better chance of going five and two. Uh, than you do of, let's say, playing 20 selections and, and doing something like 13-7. and seven. It's probably not going to happen. Do a little reading on the teams, maybe watch one or two games, and I think that can be the difference. Yeah, I think you make a really good point about going with five to seven games. You pick the five, seven, three games that you really like, and then build the bankroll. You know, you've always talked about the investment side of sports gambling and handicapping that if you're going to win and the Sharps want to be right 55, 57% of the time, we've talked for decades about how difficult it is to win money regularly sports handicapping and betting. That's why we have you on and guys that I trust. So what's it like in the tournament? when it's just a freak show, it's a free-for-all, and everybody just wants to throw money up against the wall, and these spreads are insane. you got 20, 25-point spreads. And, and then people start chasing. You know, they get down in a game. Yeah. In-game betting is, is 15% juice, not 10% juice. Uh, I, I've seen people literally sitting in one seat a couple years ago. I'm checking out the next day, and they're still there. So they don't even have enough room for a hotel room. So... You know, live betting, you got to know what you're doing. It's a totally different animal. Wait, I want to stay on that. So you're saying yeah. with the VIG and the yeah. juice, so everybody understands this because we got a, a, some younger listeners. When you're betting the juice on an in-game wager, so all of a sudden Gonzaga, instead of being up 20, they're only up 13. You like where the number is, and you decide to go in-game and bet live. What does that mean? Okay, so what that means is they'll give you a live odd at the time mm-hmm. uh, of the game. So instead of, let's say, wagering – Gonzaga. Uh, let's say they fall behind, you know, right. ten to yeah. two to start the game. You might get a line of of thirteen or fourteen. So, uh, but the only difference though is you're not laying one ten to win one hundred in most cases. You're laying one hundred and fifteen dollars to win a hundred dollar on every hundred dollar wager. Yeah, I've heard some sharp say. We're talking to Lee Sterling. Uh, check out his packages. What he does at uh, ParamountSports.com. He's been a friend of mine for twenty years. I send a lot of business to him because he treats everyone with respect and he's transparent. All right, so one other thing on this, the sports app. So where we are in Vegas and where people are listening around the country and streaming us, so if you have a sports app, you you can't get to the window in-game. If there's a line at the window during March Madness and it's 16 deep, you got to have that sports app. What about in these states or spots that don't have a great sports app or some of the sports app have different juice? What's that like? Well, it's that's you got to know the juice. Like anything, like like I said, playing the brackets, you got to know the rules. 
you got to look at what the juice is. And there's some states like Mississippi. They have sports gambling. It's legal, but you have to be on premises or you have to bet it, you know, at one of their windows. So they're, they're, they're just they're, they're shooting themselves in the foot because 83 to 85 percent of all money, when you have everything, is bet on the sports app. Lee Sterling is our guest. So what do you say? You've been on a lot of shows when it's Gonzaga against the field. And the future's on Gonzaga winning this all. I'm an Illinois guy now with my wife. If it comes down to Illinois-Gonzaga, I'll go with Illinois. But Gonzaga fascinates me now because they have to go up against Lon Kruger, maybe Tony Bennett, as I said, Fran McCaffrey in Iowa, who has Luca Garza, who's a player of the year tournament-type candidate there. How easy is this road for Gonzaga, and how are people handling that handle on Gonzaga going forward? Well, uh, what I'm hearing about 55 to 56% right now of all brackets turned in or have wow. Gonzaga winning it all. So, oh, so what you probably want to do is you want to pick, you want to turn in two different brackets. Uh, it's Gonzaga on one and at least someone else. Uh, you know, if Gonzaga gets knocked out, then you're done. So. Uh, if you're pre- predicting Gonzaga is going to win, you're going to have to probably win 28, 29 of the first 32 games to win if you're in a field with over 100 people. There are a couple teams, I believe, that can beat Gonzaga. It won't be easy, okay. but the only way is to outscore them. Iowa's won the first game. They were ice cold. Uh, Alabama's another team because they shoot the threes and they defend the threes. Baylor, at one time, they were playing super well, and then COVID shut them down. For three weeks, and then two other teams, Illinois, they're playing the best basketball of anyone in the country. And Houston, why? Because they defend and they also hit the offensive glass. They average getting over 14.5 offensive rebounds a game. So those are about all there is that, that have any type of shot against Gonzaga. Lee Sterling, staying with Illinois, they open up minus 21. Now it's 22.5 against Drexel. And then I looked at a couple of these other games with a large spread. Baylor, 25.5 over Hartford to open up the tournament. And here's one more that I draw. I'm just looking at these games, and I'm, I'm saying, where is the value overall? Houston opened up minus 18. Now it's 20 against Cleveland State. Talk to me about totals because I'm seeing the difference of 18, 20 points in totals. And I don't know of anybody listening to us right now who knows the difference between a total in Houston-Cleveland State compared to the total between Tennessee and Oregon State. It's tough to figure this out. It is. uh, One game I do like early is Mm -hmm. if you're looking at a big dog, probably the only real big dog I like is Cleveland State. I think they're going to slow down the game. They're going to muck it up. And – Houston has a tendency, if they're not interested, uh, you know, they can they can allow teams to stay in games. So I do like Cleveland State, plus the now 20 points. Uh, two other dogs I like a lot. I like Maryland. You know, uh, UConn's 15 and 7. I understand that Maryland's 16 and 13, but Maryland's beaten Purdue. They've beaten Michigan State twice, and they also beat Illinois 66-63. UConn's only decent win this year against a quality team was against USC back in December. Wrong team's favored there. My underdog play that might shock everyone here is Liberty, plus 7.5 against Oklahoma State. I mean, Mm. you want to talk about a team, how do they get up? Oklahoma State has played possibly the toughest schedule down the stretch. Since February 22nd, they played Texas Tech. They played Oklahoma twice. West Virginia twice, Baylor twice, and Texas. Now you're going to tell these kids to get up for 
uh, uh, you know, yeah. Liberty here, you know, uh, an insurance company. I mean, you got to be kidding me. So I like Liberty. They have three kids that really can shoot the rock. Uh, they average shooting uh, six right now in the country in three-point field goals, almost 40%. And then in a close game, if they get in a close game and Oklahoma State falls behind, look out because Liberty's hitting over 77 uh, 0.8% of their free throws. That's 20th in the country. And they don't turn the ball over less than 10 times a game. I'm taking Liberty. And then the blowout special, Purdue, laying 7.5 over North Texas. North Texas has played three tournament teams. They lost every game by double digits. Purdue, they're pretty special right now. Uh, it might finally be their time also. How many pro handicappers gives you free picks? Lee Sterling does. Go to ParamountSports.com. On the way out quickly, when yep. the Bears decided to go with Andy Dalton, they went from 40-1 to 1 to 50-1. to 1. I want to ask you just lastly on the way out, the Patriots. What an unbel- They got a brand-new football team. Brand-new football team. Two tight ends, two receivers, defense. Chung retires, but either way, Van Oy comes back. I'm blown away by what they've done. Future value with the NFL. Still the heavy favorites, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Green Bay. But do you see any future values, Super Bowl odds, or NFC or AFC championships with what we've seen with free agency? Well, Tampa Bay is going to have a really good year because there's no one else in their division anymore. So New Orleans isn't a factor. Atlanta isn't. Carolina, unless they get Watson, and they'd have to gut their squad to do that. So the price went up so much since. I mean, how does how does Seattle turn that deal down? So I'm wondering if I'm the owner, I fire the coach, uh, and I start all over. Someone's offering you three number ones, a number three, Mac, and another front line starter for a 32 year old quarterback. Uh, uh, with a bloated salary, you got to be kidding me. If I'm Seattle, I would have taken that. So I, I think Chicago's in trouble. Uh, I, I was laughing at their acquisitions here. If I'm a Chicago Bears season ticket holder, uh, I'm thinking about getting out. That was one of the worst moves I've ever seen. All right, tell everybody where they can get your picks throughout the madness of March. ParamountSports.com. Uh, a couple years ago, we went 22-7. and seven. There was nothing, no action last year. We're going to look to pick up right where we left off. What a football season we had since the, the first bowl game through the Super Bowl, and we hit the college football championship game in Tampa Bay, went 27 to 36 games. They can get everything that I've got from tonight all the way through the final, Monday, April 5th, just $197. You're going to get every college game I've got, every NBA, and I'm also going to throw in in hockey where it covers.com. Number one handicapper right now, over 60% for the entire season. It's all available right now, ParamountSports.com. Good luck, Lee. Thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thanks, JT. Thank you. Lee Sterling, great to get him on here with some picks. I tell you, I only put guys on if they give us free picks, so he gives you that, the Purdue game. That's a blowout. Uh, Bet with your wallet, not with your head. Got to get that in. It's March Madness. That's what we do. We did everything we could on the Raiders this week. All on the Raiders. Wanted to wrap it up. I thought the Raiders rallied. I'll leave it at that. They rallied from Monday to Thursday in a big way. I'm going to see Coach Gruden next week. I'm going to see Jim Plunkett and Marcel Reese on Saturday at the stadium. We'll have new content, new opinions, We'll get an idea. I have a request in for Mike Mayock, and we're going to have several of the new signings on with us. Want to lead with the Golden Knights, or wrap it up, excuse me, with the Golden Knights. 
Let's talk about what the Knights did last night. Here's San Jose going up 3-1 where a lot of people thought it was over. He shoots through traffic, kick save, rebound in front, they score! Somehow that extra bit from the Sharks multiple times kept the play alive. 3-1 Sharks with under five minutes to go in the second period. All right, I'm watching at that point in time, and I'm on Twitter. I'm looking at everybody else. A lot of people thought they were done. I didn't. I thought that this team could get going. It's the Sharks. It's a rivalry going for six in a row against them, and then they started to launch. This team heard a speech, I'm assuming, from Peter DeBoer, who we're going to have on next week, the coach of the Golden Knights, and Mark Stone, the captain, who fought, along with Reeves. They had to get this team going. They came out and were electric. Here's Ryan Reeves with the big, at the time, go-ahead goal. From the drop, a Hague shot blocked. Knights control again. Here's White Cloud to the middle. A one-timer tipped. Score! Vegas takes the lead! Unbelievable goal by Reeves to get him going. And then Martinez, who was fabulous in the game, gave them a bigger lead on this power play. Nosek, left circle, feeds right, and a shot, they score! The Knights have taken a 5-3 lead. Alec Martinez got the dish deep on the right wing side from Tomas Nosek. That was exciting. That really was. Martinez was fantastic. He saved the game on defense after the Kane power play goal. We'll go to the final call where Vegas was able to hold on one of the great comeback wins, I think, in franchise history. Five seconds to go. Burns back to his own line. He'll run out of time. Shot is knocked down at the horn. Vegas wins. Five, four, Knights. Wow, four goals in the third period for Vegas. They escape with another victory. That small crowd was loud. Dan Duva, brilliant on the call. Not the greatest comeback win, but one of them, especially with COVID as fans are coming into the building. After the game, Peter DeBoer on what happened in that third period as they found lightning. I thought our, our power play was complicating things early in the game. We had three in the first and, and really didn't generate anything, you know, came back and simplified it and just decided to get pucks and bodies to the net and got rewarded. And finally, DeBoer, we'll get to, we're going to have him on next week. I just want to tell you, this team brings me tremendous joy on the radio. I continue to say it at night when I'm on the air. On my other show, I have the Golden Knights on in my home studio in my office, and I literally jump up when they score. They are a fantastic team. They are on the road to winning the Cup. Hopefully it's this year. They are loaded. Thanks to Bobby. Thanks to all of our guests. Sean Farnham, Vinny Bonsignor, Steph McKenzie, Lee Sterling, and all the guests that we had this week. Another big week for Bobby. A lot more happening. A big Raider week next week with a lot of the new signings and a couple of legends. Keep listening to Raider Nation Radio, lvsportsnetwork.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have a good night, everybody. All right? Take care.